Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. Big developments in the Mideast and here at home. President Biden goes to Saudi Arabia and Russian President Vladimir Putin goes to Iran. And joining us now to discuss these critical trips and obviously a lot more, and also how Biden's energy policy has caused us to look like we have lost leverage on the world stage, is James Carafano. He is a heritage founder. Foundation Vice President and also Foreign and Security Policy Expert. And by the way, just a great, great person aware of national security and international security interests. James, so great to have you here. Thank you so much. Oh, it's great to be with you. A great fan of the show and, and a real fan of the podcast. Thank you so much. And we are a fan of you. And by the way, you are speaking to us now from Azerbaijan. Tell us why you're there. Yeah, so for for folks who are, didn't get an A in geography, Azerbaijan is um, a country in the Caucasus. If you start in Europe and then you have the Black Sea, the Caspian, and then you look up, you see Russia, you look down, you see Iran, you look over, you see China. In the middle is the Caucasus, so it's Georgia, the Caspian Sea, and then Azerbaijan, and then it goes into um, the stands, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, everything, and then to China. So this was actually the original Silk Road. This is how people move goods and services back and forth from Europe. Uh, across the world. Today, it's important because, like many countries, Azerbaijan is a post-Soviet state. And after the war against Ukraine, they're like trying to figure out, how do I not be next? And part of not being next is to be relevant and important to other people. And the one thing that, that Azerbaijan has in great abundance is oil and gas. The first commercial oil well was actually drilled in Azerbaijan. The first pipeline was built here. The first offshore oil platform was built here. The first tanker, oil tanker, sailed out of the port of Baku. So these guys have been in the energy business since 1840. And a couple of years ago, they decided to build a pipeline to take carry gas to Western Europe. And everybody opposed it. Angela Merkel opposed it. She goes, oh, we don't need you guys. We have cheap Russian gas. We have Nord Stream 1. The Russians said, just tell us your gas. But they made a, a very strategic decision. They go, no, we want to be a gas supplier to Western Europe because that makes us strategically relevant and important. And when this crisis happened with the Ukraine war and the Europeans trying to you know, get through the winter to heat their homes and keep the lights on, um, this gas is a godsend. So they just the other day, the European Union and, uh, and the government here signed a deal for them to supply it, it's not going to give them all the gas they need, but but it's really strategically important. The the really interesting thing about this story is kind of stuff you can only find when you're on the ground and talk to people. This would have never happened except for two people. One of them is Erdogan, the president of Turkey. You know, and a lot of people I know, they don't like Turkey and whatever. But Erdogan has actually done some very good things. And one of them was he supported the building of pipeline. These the Azerbaijanis, they pay for it. They build it with their money, and the Turks put in money. It, it wouldn't happen without pipeline goes from Azerbaijan to Georgia, Turkey, and then through the Mediterranean, terminates in Italy. The other person that made this pipeline happen is a guy you may have heard of named Donald Trump. Because when the pipeline was virtually built, and all they had to do was connect it to Sicily at the end so it could take gas into Europe, the Germans opposed it. The Russians were paying environmental groups and political groups to protest against this, and they were putting all kinds of pressure on the Italian government not to allow the pipeline to go through. And Donald Trump picked up the phone, and he called the prime minister in Italy, and he says, you have to do this. I don't care what people say. The Europeans really need this, and you should make this happen. And the next day, the Italian government greenlighted the deal. So there is only gas 
flowing from Azerbaijan to Europe today because of Erdogan and Donald Trump. Wow. And how pivotal is this pipeline, especially given what's happening with Russia and Ukraine? It's probably less than 10 percent of the total gas that Europe needs. This is very, very significant because it's a source of gas that the Russians cannot cut off. And now that it's actually been shown to be economically viable and important, there is significant potential to expand the amount of gas that goes to the pipeline and to bring oil in the same route. And not only oil from Azerbaijan, but also oil from the country, from the stand. And so it makes Europe more energy independent. It is a block against the expansion of Iranian and Chinese and Iranian influence. And it's going to improve the life and productivity of people throughout the region and make them more valuable partners for the United States. So here is a country, predominantly Muslim country, although it's quite secular, and really values religious diversity. As a matter of fact, probably Azerbaijan's number one strategic ally is Israel. And it is very pro-Western, and they have the potential here to build a value chain that really brings all the value of the economic economies of what's called the middle corridor, the caucuses and Europe. And so it's strategically relevant. It's a buffer against the people we don't like. It's going to add stability to Western Europe. It's a partnership with the United States. And this is a case where these people have skin in the game. They're doing stuff that's in our interest and in their interest. These are the allies that Donald Trump said we should have. People that not just share values and norms and everything else, but they have skin in the game. They, they see the value of partnering with America. They want to partner with America. And they're willing to put their own skin in the game to demonstrate they're bringing something to the table. I think it's a very impressive place. And people are wonderful. And the food's pretty awesome. And Baku looks like a European city. And it's actually quite beautiful because it's right on the, the coast of the, the Caspian Ocean. You know, Rita, you understand this because you're a person that pays attention to far, and most of us don't, right? We go to Walmart and we go shopping and, you know, we listen to people and we, we agree with the people that, that agree with us. And a lot of times, you know, p- these people are spouting stuff about foreign policy. They don't know anything about what they're talking about. They know their politics and they're happy to make their politics. But if you really want to know what's going on in the world and you really want to do right by the United States, you've got to go and talk and see the people and where they live and what they're doing. It's just like everybody laughs at Gavin Newsom when he's attacking Florida. I'm like, dude, what do you know about Florida? You don't live in Florida. I mean, people in Florida go, give me a break. You don't live here. You have to go and engage and see these people. And that's when you learn about how to do things that are really pro-American. This is the number one problem with the politics and the foreign policy and, and all the policies of Joe Biden. And his energy policy is a good example. And the trip to the Middle East really just shows all the problems and hypocrisy with it. His climate policy, it's not an environmental policy. It's not a climate policy. It's not an energy policy. It's not an economic policy. It's certainly not a national security policy. It is a political agenda. It's an agenda designed to do one thing, which is to solidify leftist political control over this country and transform it. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is the reality of what he's trying to do. And we see that every day. When he goes to Saudi Arabia, which, by the way, is pumping near capacity anyway. So the notion that they're going to provide a lot of oil and solve everything, that's not going to happen. And all he talks about while he's there is his green energy agenda. And he wants the Saudis to cooperate with him on green energy. People see this for what it is, which is it's a joke. That's why his poll numbers in the single digits, and that's why his policies are failing, because they don't comport with reality. 
And in fact, this week, James Carafano, he came out and said climate is basically the emergency. To your point, if you look at polls, one percent of Americans put it as the top issue. And in fact, Democrats, this includes Democrats, put it at three percent. I, I mean, you know, it's like, of course, you think of crime, you think of economy, border. There's so many issues. How do you think his policies are out of touch? A lot of people feel tone deaf, clearly, with the American public right now. People think, and and rightly so, that climate is important. It's the only blue dot we have. We should take care of it. People get the joke, though. The last thing is, is our climate agenda is synonymous with climate policies. It's not. Their climate agenda is a political agenda. So people aren't rejecting doing good things for the planet. They're rejecting the political agenda. And there's a couple of problems with it. The foundational belief of this agenda is that we're going to transition all of our energy needs to being driven by renewable energies that have no carbon footprint and don't produce any greenhouse gases. And we're going to do this by 2050. And that's going to save the planet. Well, here's the problem with that. One is it defies the laws of physics and chemistry and economics. We already have an enormous amount of experience with renewable energies. And the one thing we absolutely know for a fact is they're never going to supply the world's energy needs. Never. They're incapable of doing that. And there is no technology on the horizon that's going to allow that to happen. So one is this transition cannot happen. The second is even if it could, there's no way it's going to be done by 2050. And the third is even if it was achieved by 2050, even the scientists the climate scientists will tell you that it won't actually demonstrably affect climate. There's nothing about this that works. That's the real big problem. And the other problem is, how do you actually get to better environmental outcomes? And we've been working at this at Heritage. We've been doing something in the Index of Economic Freedom for 30 years now. And what, what we've seen is the more economically free a country it is, not necessarily how rich it is, but the more economically free a country it is, the better environmental outcomes it produces, the cleaner the water, the cleaner the air, um, the the less greenhouse gases they emit. If you want good environmental outcomes, the answer is get a country as rich as possible as quickly as you can. And people will make decisions. And most importantly, they'll have the money to implement them. All Biden's policies are going to do is impoverish us and give us less electricity, less resources, less energy. And in the end, even the choices they are making are not environmentally sound. I'll give you a good example, electric cars. Over the life cycle of an electric car, I mean, buy a Tesla if you want, it's a wonderful car, no question. But over the life cycle of an electric car, so everything from like making the car, to shipping the car, selling the car, using the car, fueling the car, getting rid of the car, an electric car has a higher carbon footprint than a gas automobile. So if you actually want to reduce greenhouse gases, the answer is actually buy more gas automobiles, not buy more electric cars. So nothing about this plan works. And so when he doubles down like he has, this isn't the first thing. He's done it on gender. He's done it on inflation. He's done it on the border. And all he's done is he says, okay, yeah, my policies are failing. But you know what we can do? We can do our policies harder, faster, longer, and and that'll fix the problem. Nobody believes that. Given President Biden's green energy focus and obviously now us forcing us to move away from energy independence, which we were under President Trump, have we lost leverage on the world stage? 
in three ways. First of all, we're throwing a lot of money at stuff that's not going to deliver anything. We're literally burning and wasting money, and that's dragging the economy down. The second is, is because we aren't producing at mass capacity, our energy is more expensive, which means everything we do is more expensive. When you triple the price of diesel, you know, that triples the price of, of getting a head of lettuce into a supermarket. When we produce at full capacity, we are the world's swing producer. So we can drive the market, which means people don't have to be dependent on Russia or on Chinese solar panels made by slave labor to get energy. So we can really drive the market. So we were in an unbelievably strong position under Donald Trump, a position that we were dominant in his energy in a way that we haven't been since the early 19th century. What Biden did was like if you were the New York Yankees and you took Babe Ruth and locked him in the locker room and totally he couldn't play the game. That's what he's doing. And that is devastating, not just for us, but for the world, right? Well, yeah, it was, it'd be really bad for the Yankees, too. <laughs> it sure would. It sure would. But that also, it sends a message, too, because, as you know, oil has clearly been used sort of as a weapon and clearly as leverage, too. It gave us a reduction of our bargaining chip. You know, not only, obviously, look, where we're, I feel like America is the greatest country in the world, we're the leaders of the free world. But when you go across the table, it certainly helps when you say we're economically rich, we're energy rich, we're using our resources, right. we can sell it to you, as opposed to begging with a tin cup saying we need it. Again, so typical of what Biden has done in so many different areas, which he's been driven by the political agenda of what serves the leftist politics of taking over this country, not what serves the interests of the American people. Whether you're talking about the environment or foreign policy or domestic energy or dealing with inflation, the number one thing that the president of the United States could do to turn everything around is to dramatically do everything he can to incentivize domestic oil and gas production, both in the United States and Canada, which would include, you know, reconnecting the Keystone XL. And the thing is, as soon as the president does that, the market will start to, to react. Even before the first drop of oil comes out, people will say, oh, the United States is getting back into the business. And they will factor that into future decisions, and that will change the, the, the global market for oil energy. It'll it'll It'll, it'll shock inflation. Um, it'll start to spur economic growth. So, and we all know this. And this is it. It's, it's like, it, it's like you, it, it's like the captain of the Titanic. You know, if he could, if he saw the iceberg, and everybody on the ship would know. Oh my God! If we just turn right, we'll miss the iceberg, and we'll all get to New York. And if Biden was the captain of the Titanic, he would be standing there and seeing the iceberg, and he goes, Okay, guys, let's hit the iceberg and see what happens. Yeah, isn't it? It's a scary, scary situation. Before I let you go, this Azerbaijan pipeline, is it up? How long? What's what's sort of the process for that? So, yeah, it's operational. So this is a remarkable thing is nobody wanted this. It was the it was the Azerbaijanis who had the vision that said people will need energy, not being dependent on their enemies. And, and this will be valuable someday, and we're going to build this, and then people will see the value of it. And literally, this project was completed um, really just in time for the Ukraine war. Unbelievable, really. Unbelievable. Um, by the way, um, also, I didn't ask you, Russia-Iran, the meeting, how significant, real quick, on that? Look, it's not terribly significant other than the fact that it has a very specific purpose, which is to spit at Joe Biden and show how feckless and useless he is. Joe Biden comes to the Middle East and gets nothing and talks about green energy. And honestly, the Saudis would have laughed him out of the room, except that you need the United States 
to counter the Iranians. So they go, oh, yeah, it's green energy, Joe. Yes, of course. Yeah. But the reality is, is they don't care about green energy. They don't care about anything he came for. All they care about is they need the United States to counter Iran. But so Biden basically comes here and accomplishes nothing. Absolutely nothing. And and Putin comes and he doesn't have to accomplish anything. He says, look, I can go to the region. I can see my friends. What they were trying to do is not to really do anything. What they were trying to do is to embarrass the president of the United States and make him look weak. Yeah, sad for America and sad for the world. Well, James Carafano, thank you so much. Love that you're here on the podcast and joining us from Azerbaijan and how fascinating and great to learn about their pipeline and to hear about more oil coming onto the market in general. That is good news, not just for the world, but obviously for America, for everybody else. But terrific to hear from you. And thank you for everything that you do to keep our country safe and also the world safe and all the great folks there at Heritage Foundation. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, my friend. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight, on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America. America.